Hi, I'm Justin Rosso, and welcome to this bonus episode of the Next Step Press podcast, where we help you take a next step. Today we'll be sitting with bonus material related to Chapter 8, The Dignity of the Cross, in the book When From Death I'm Free, a hymn journal for Holy Week. In this episode, you'll hear me read the Gospel lesson from Matthew 13 on page 81, and then you'll hear me switch gears and open my Bible and go to Genesis chapter 15. We're going to talk more about the cost of the covenant and how that relates to God cutting covenant with Abram and then cutting covenant with Israel, Jesus saying, this is my blood of the new covenant, what that means for us in our baptismal life. Thanks for joining us today. I'm so glad you're here. God bless you as we gather around his word and take a next step following him together. We just talked this last Wednesday night as we looked at the cost that Jesus was willing to pay for you. Let's reset that with our gospel lesson for today. It comes from Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 44. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. That was our gospel lesson also on Wednesday night. Uh, Today's sermon text comes from the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 15. This is uh, after, I think, Genesis, Genesis 11 is the flood, Genesis 12, the calling of Abram, Genesis uh, 13 and 14 is stuff with Lot, and now we get Genesis chapter 15. Our reading begins with verse 6. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Uh, so this is that big important verse. Paul will use this later. Abram believed the Lord. We, we who believe are heirs of Abraham. What did Abram believe? Okay, I'll back up to verse 1 real quick. Uh, bear with me. Uh, 15 verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Notice he's called Abram. He's not Abraham for a couple of chapters yet. This is Abram, exalted father. Not yet Abraham, father of many. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Yahweh, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus, that bum. And Abram said, You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to Abram. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And now, beginning at verse 6, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am Yahweh, who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land, to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Yahweh, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram. A heifer's a cow, a female cow, uh, three years old or younger, hasn't had a calf yet. I had to look it up. Uh, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him. And and here's where it gets really weird. This is actually in your Bible, and we're going to unpack it in just a second in the sermon. 
Abram brought all of these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. I know, right? The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then Yahweh said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years, but I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Now I'm on verse 17, and here's the part I really want to focus on today. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch, or maybe smoke like that of a firepot and a flame like that of a torch, appeared and passed between the pieces of these animals that Abram had cut in half and then separated. On that day, Yahweh made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. This is the word of the Lord. Genesis chapter 15 is all about promise and it's all about cutting a covenant. That's actually the Hebrew word. You don't make a covenant in Hebrew, you cut a covenant. And I think the story lets you see why. Abram takes these animals and he cuts them in half in order to enter into this covenant relationship with the God of promise. Uh, in the ancient Near East, you have to know this to understand what's going on in the text. This is the kind of thing that might have happened when you made a covenant that's an agreement or a treaty, perhaps even stronger than just a treaty. When you bind someone in a relationship to you, you would cut covenant with them. And, and the way it would work is if we were two uh, kind of equal kings or maybe, uh, you know, you're the king and I'm a vassal and I'm entering into a covenant relationship of promise with you, you would take an animal, sometimes an assortment of animals, the, the formula isn't exact and Abraham has one right from God's lips, but you would take an animal like a cow and cut it in half and make this kind of bloody aisle after you separated the pieces. And then... You and I would walk down the middle of that aisle and then we would meet in the middle of this bloody pathway with the halved animals and here's where we would make our agreement. Basically, when we committed ourselves to this covenant, when, when we signed our names to that promissory document, when we said, yes, from here on out, we will be in a relationship of promise with each other, we were saying, I'm committing myself to you and if I break my word, if I break this covenant, May I become like those animals. Under penalty of death and with the sticky blood of the animals on the soles of my sandals, I'm committing to you. If I break my word, may, may this happen to me too. So this is a pretty strong agreement, this covenant. 
God has made a promise to Abram, and Abram believes the promise, and now God himself is putting himself on the line. That those animals cut in half is a way of understanding what you're committing yourself to. What, what are you putting on the line? Like, uh, say you're, you're going to go take a loan, and, and you need to, you want to borrow some money, what do you do? Well, you say, I got this car. No, I, I owe money on the car. I got my house. You take out like your second mortgage, you're basically saying, I'm putting my house on the line because I need this money for these purposes and I'll pay it back. And if I don't pay it back, then, well, I got my house as collateral. When you cut covenant in the Old Testament, you're putting yourself on the line and saying, I'm putting myself out there as collateral. If this covenant is broken, here's the cost of the breaking of the covenant. But I want you to see really clearly what happens in Genesis chapter 15. Notice that this bloody pathway of animals is not a two-way street. Yahweh himself comes down. God appears on earth. And the form he takes is like, like smoke from a pot or, or like the flame from a torch. And we're going to see this later in the story as well. When, when Yahweh descends on Mount Sinai to renew the covenant with his people, he's going to descend in clouds and smoke and thick darkness and fire. And, and the fire isn't Yahweh and the smoke isn't Yahweh, but, but Yahweh is there in, with, and under smoke and fire. It's kind of a, a Lutheran smoke and fire kind of thing. It brings the very presence of God in, with, and under these physical elements. So you've got this cloud uh, this, this thick darkness, and, and Abram is in a trance. He, he's fallen asleep into a deep sleep, and now God himself shows up. And, and did you hear what happened in the text? Abram doesn't meet God halfway. Abram doesn't say, I'll do my part, God, and, and you do yours. Abram doesn't make a promise that I will be faithful to you and, and, and you can count on me. Instead, Abram's in the back going, shh, shh. And God himself puts himself on the line. It's the, the very presence of Yahweh in, with, and under smoke and fire that processes down that bloody aisle and comes to Abram to say, Abram, I'm cutting covenant with you. And if this covenant is broken, I put myself on the line. It's a bloody sign of the cost of the covenant. What's this relationship worth? What are you putting on the line to say this relationship means something to me? And God said, if this covenant fails, may I become like those animals. That's Genesis chapter 15. Abram's still kind of a schmuck. He doesn't know exactly what he's doing. He's fumbling around a little bit. Genesis chapter 16, he's believed God and God has credited that faith as righteousness. But now this is the whole business where Sarah says, well, he said a son from your body, so maybe it's just your body, not my body. I've got this handmaiden. And so you get Hagar and, and Ishmael and that whole story. And, and then in chapter 17, now God comes to Abram again and says, no, 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 you're misunderstanding me. I know you're too old to have kids. I know your wife is too old to have kids. Now you're too old to have kids too. But the promise is coming from a God who can bring life from the dead. So it's going to be a son from your body. 
And this is where God then also introduces this sign of the covenant. When you cut covenant in Israel, it's a circumcision. That's the sign of the covenant. It's the promise already made in, in Genesis chapter 15 and the sign of that covenant in Genesis chapter 17. On the eighth day, that's a new creation day. Six days God created, on the seventh he rested. The eighth day is a day that, that looks forward to something new that breaks the circle of repetitiveness. That's actually something that's unique in ancient peoples. Uh, the people of Israel had a view of time that was not circular. This is not the same old thing again and again and again. Modern history has a trajectory. It has a goal. It has a purpose. And there's a time coming when we will break out of this cycle that we've found ourselves in. Circumcision happens on the eighth day. It's a, a resurrection kind of day. That's the promise to Abraham. You will find this now in, when the book of the covenant is opened in Exodus chapters 19 is where it starts, 1920 and following. This is where the people of God have come out of, God said, I'm not ready to give you this land yet because these people, kind of like the days of Noah, they're stinking sinners, but it's not so bad, I can't stand it yet. So in his mercy, God says, we've got to wait 400 years. I'm going to send you to Egypt, you're going to be slaves. And then when the sin around here gets so bad, I can't stand it anymore, we'll bring you back and I'm going to take care of those other people. So now, we've been to Egypt, Moses comes out, he goes to Mount Sinai, and again Yahweh descends in deep darkness, in cloud and smoke, in with and under the fire raging on Mount Sinai and lightning, and, and there's a covenant that's established there. It's, it's as if Yahweh is making tender promises like a groom, and Israel, his people, are, are making tender promises like a bride. I will be your God and you will be my people. And there's the blood of the covenant that's sprinkled on the people. And, and now Moses and Aaron and, and Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders are invited up on the very mountain of God. The place that they couldn't go because God's presence was there and they're sinful. Yet now covered in the blood of the covenant, they're able to go up to the mountain. And the text says they saw God and they ate and drank. The blood of the covenant. What are you willing to put on the line to promise that this relationship is going to last? On the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, This broken bread, it's my body and it's given for you. In the same way also, after supper, he took the cup when he had given thanks and he gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you. This cup is the new testament in my blood. Do you know another way you could say that? This is my blood of the new covenant. This is my blood of the new covenant. And they saw God and they ate and drank. You see, God entered into a relationship with a sinful and rebellious people. God knew he was committing himself to people who themselves were going to despise this relationship, who said, who said, you will be my husband, you will be my God, I will be, I will be your people, who said, yes, everything in, in this covenant we will do, who said we will have no other gods before you, and then they ran after the Baals and the Asherahs. They broke that relationship. That the sign of the covenant, the, the, the bloody sign of the covenant that was supposed to, 
show you and motivate you and, and declare what you are willing to, to, to put forward, the collateral you are going to establish for the sake of this relationship, that sign for these people, it ended up meaning nothing at all. But God is faithful even when we're not. The God who said, I myself am going to walk this bloody aisle. And if this covenant is broken, may I become like those animals. That same God of the Old Testament, Yahweh, took on flesh. The cross. The cross is God becoming like those animals. The cross is Jesus being splayed like a heifer. It's God paying the price, paying the full cost for the breaking of a relationship. It's God saying the collateral I put forward for the sake of this covenant promise, I'm willing to make good on that. I'm willing to pay the debt so that these people, my people, can belong to me again for the sake of the covenant. May I become like these animals. The same thing is true for you and me today. We've been baptized. We've been buried with Christ by baptism into death that we might also be raised to newness of life. It's a sign of the covenant. It's an eighth day kind of sign. It, it's, it's, not, it's like the circumcision of the Old Testament, but, but different. It, it's joining us to the, the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. Every baptism is an eighth day promise that we're not going to be stuck in this cycle of sin and death forever, but that you are already now part of a new creation. And you and I take that sign and, and we, we don't treat it as if it cost something. We don't treat it as if God was serious when he made the promise. We don't treat it as if when we were baptized, we committed ourselves life or death to this God who made a promise to us in Jesus. So like the Old Testament people of God, we find ourselves running after everything but the one who made us. The first commandment, the, the commandment on which all the other commandments are based, simply says you will have no other gods. And I look at our response even to something like the, the craziness going on now, and, and I think of the things that are important to me. My first thought is not about my relationship with God when I'm faced with something like COVID-19. Right? If I experience fear, it's not the healthy fear of the Lord. If I look for rescue or peace or safety, the first place I run isn't the arms of Jesus. I think I can judge my, by response. Maybe you can judge by yours. It's a mixed bag. I mean, there are moments, right? There are moments when I trust. There are moments when I pray. There are moments when, when trust drives out fear. And there are moments when I don't open my Bible for days. I don't pray as if my life depended on it, let alone anybody else's. I've committed myself to this life of following Jesus, and I find again and again and again, I wake up and look how far I've wandered. That's why it's important for you to know that you did not walk down that bloody aisle 
to commit yourself and say, I'll do my part, God, you just do yours too. No, God came to you. Jesus himself walked down the bloody aisle of the cross and committed himself. Your baptism is not merely you committing yourself to the faith expressed in the Apostles' Creed. It's the God of the Apostles' Creed who commits himself to you. You're not going to be faithful to your promise as long as we're stuck in this cycle of sin and forgetfulness and repentance and grace. But the good news is, you're not going to be stuck in that cycle of sin and repentance and grace and sin and forgetfulness and repentance and grace. You're not going to be stuck in that cycle forever. There is an eighth day. Jesus became like those animals in Abram's covenant and Abraham became the father of many nations of all who believe and Jesus rose again on the third day, on the eighth day, the beginning, the first fruits of a new creation. You are not stuck in a cycle of sin forever. That's a promise from a God who put himself on the line. And when the payment came due, he was willing to pay the cost so that you might belong to him forever. Amen. With that in mind, we make profession of that faith, the faith into which we're baptized, not as if I'm committing myself to this faith and on the basis of my commitment, I can trust that I'm saved. But we make this confession of faith, trusting that this story that we proclaim in the creed is a story that belongs to me too. I trust in the God who's present here in this story that we know as the Apostles' Creed. That sermon was preached at Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church in Brighton, Michigan. Special thanks to Amy Miles for the recording. You heard me quote from Genesis chapter 15 and Exodus chapter 19, and then also from Matthew chapter 26, verse 28, where Jesus says, This is my blood of the covenant. I'm so glad you joined us today at Next Step Press. Thanks for being here. If this content was meaningful for you, I invite you to partner with us by becoming a patron as we help people delight in taking a next step following Jesus. As you go your way this week, remember that Jesus put himself on the line for the sake of the covenant promise that you belong to him both now and forever. God bless your week.